Oh, uh, she talked about life, just talked about uh, showing me how to, number one, to forgive my father because uh, I, I developed this hatred for my father. And every time she would mention my father, I didn't want to hear it. I would tell her, I just didn't, even at an early age, I told her I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to know nothing about it. And so she would tell me, son, he's still your dad. And I hated to hear that. Yeah, I hated to hear that. But she was right. And she kept telling you she that. She kept telling me that. She she kept reminding me that he was my father. Good afternoon and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to have you stop by as we get together with a guest today. Always like to visit with people I meet for the first time and don't really know a lot about their backstory so we can kind of discover together as we share and unpack their lives here on the program. Michael Carpenter, I just met within the last couple of weeks. That's right. I was at Brown Missionary Baptist Church at a meeting. Michael was there, and he started sharing a story, Michael, about how you listened to this radio station, Bot Radio Network, and as you shared the story and you talked about hearing Chuck Swindoll. That's right. I don't want to give too much away at the beginning of the show, but as you shared that story, I just had tears running down my cheek thinking about just how good God is. That's right. How are you doing? Thanks for stopping by. I'm doing fine. And, and Real good. You told me, I believe, that you grew up in Mississippi, North yes. Mississippi? Yes, Hernando. Back up if we can and okay. tell me about life growing up in Hernando. What was it like there? The city probably wasn't too big in those days, was it? No city. You're right. I was raised in the field, picking cotton, plowing mule. We didn't have um, tractor until later on in my life, so right around 75, in 1975. I had a lot of brothers and sisters. I'm the oldest one. You're the oldest of how many? Of ten. Ten children. So your mom stayed busy in the kitchen, I guess, sometimes. Yeah, my mom stayed busy in the field, in the kitchen. But I, I probably was raised up with my grandmom early in my life. My dad left when I was about three. Three years old. Three years old. And I can remember. You can remember that? I can remember. I can remember what he said. I can remember how it smelled. I remember where I was at. I remember everything. It's pretty traumatic when a child sees their parents separate or a parent abandons the children and the family altogether. I mean, there. I remember when I was about six or seven when my father left, and right. it's like your whole life's being ripped in half. That's right. It's amazing, though, because now I look back on it, though, it, it, it was God was preparing me for what, what we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about having, did you call it a plow mule? Is that what you called it? Yeah, we plow mule with with Miller busting and all that stuff. You know, I raised up. I'm a city boy, so you're going to have to help me out understand some of these terms now. Right, so you plow the mule, you plow um, uh, the rows, because, you you know, you didn't have all this stuff we have now, all technology and all this stuff. So we were plowing the mules and getting the field ready to plant. And also to um, sock molasses. I read up where we made our own sock molasses. I've seen that before. Now, is it like a press or a grind or something? What do you call that? It really press and a grind where you get in the syrup out of the sock. And so my granddad helped me. Well, I would help him and get it ready to make the molasses and stuff. So it was oh, a lot of fun. My goodness. I think I was about five when I first started doing that. So we're talking hot biscuits out of the kitchen right? and some of that fresh molasses. Right. <laughs> You're making right. me so hungry thinking about that. Right. And see, I, I lived in a home where we didn't have the bathrooms and all this stuff. We didn't have bathrooms. We had outhouses and 
Oh, then, I, then I water, we drew our water out of the system. So it, it don't seem real sometimes, but it's real. And that was just yeah. within a stone's throw of, of the city of Memphis. Exactly. exactly. So you're talking about around in the 70s, around 71, in the 60s as well. So yeah. that's when you were doing this. Right. That's exactly right. But it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the fun, and I enjoyed— uh, When did your day begin? What time did you wake up? Oh, uh, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, because I had to go out and get the cows. I'm talking as a young boy, 5, 6 years old. Now, when you say get the cows, what does that mean? Get the cows ready to be milked. So they were, what, in the field or the barn, or where were they? They were in the barn, and, you know, it was in the lot, because we had to put them in the lot before we went to bed at night. Yeah. And then in the morning time, we had to milk them to get the milk and the churn. When you describe milk, you used your hands, so this, there was no automation here, huh? No, you milk it like this. So how long would it take you to get a cup of milk? Uh, not long, but not especially with some of the cows we had because they were, some of them were dairy cows, so they would produce more milk. Was there a technique? I've always wondered if just grab and pinch pull, I mean, or was there a no, technique to a it? Technique. There's a technique to technique. it. Uh, you'll get kicked. <laughs> I probably would get kicked a whole yeah, lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. And you also talked about picking cotton. And I've heard that picking cotton, you know, the term, obviously. I don't think everybody understands what's involved with doing it. I know it's hard work, but what's all involved in picking cotton? Well, my grandmom, the one was with me in the picking the cotton. When I started picking cotton, we had a flower sack where we used to get flour in. She tied the flower sack around me, so I would work with her. When I was about, what, five, six, seven years old, she would pick and I would pick, and we would put the, <laughs> pick the cotton and put it in the sack. I would be yeah. curious, Michael, if some of the conversations, if you can even remember some of the conversations you would have with your grandmother while you spent that time together. Oh, uh, she talked about life, just talked about uh, showing me how to, number one, to forgive my father, because uh, I, I developed this hatred for my father. And every time she would mention my father, I didn't want to hear it. I would tell her, I just didn't, even at an early age, I told her, I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to know nothing about it. And so she would tell me, son, he's still your dad. And I hated to hear that. Yeah, I hated to hear that. But she was right. And she kept telling you she that. She kept telling me that. She she kept reminding me that he was my father. But I didn't want to hear that. No, yeah. no. So, But we would have that conversation, and we would have a conversation about my mom, and, and at that time, I really didn't know too much about my mom. And I thought about it a lot because my mom went there in the early part of my life. She went off to school, and my grandparents would tell me about that. So really, your grandparents stood in for you as really parents. Of course, your dad had left home. Your mom was trying to do better, get an education, right. so she can ultimately provide for her 10 children. That's right. At that time, it wasn't 10. Right. We three of us Three of you time. at that time, yeah. But, uh, yes, she, she, and then she remarried, and so that's where uh, the other kids come along. Siblings. Was that a big adjustment for you? It, it really wasn't because my mom, when she come back in my life, I think I was around in the fourth grade. So my mom come in, and she really spent a lot of time, men, and helped me understand how to respect my stepdad. That I had a great stepdad, Willie Greer, was his name. Really, he was Greer, yeah. And so he he was a great man. He he had his faults, but he 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 was a great man. He he just accepted me. I like that. I can tell there was some affection yeah. there because you yeah. smiled when you mentioned yeah. his name. Yeah, children need approval yeah. from yeah. our parents. Yeah, and you didn't get it from your dad. He rejected you. Uh, yeah. 
But here comes Willie in your life. Right. And he showed you what it was to respect you, to love you, right. to care about you. He did. He what did. were some things that he did to show that and express that to you? Well, one day that I had a hog, that, uh, a big hog that I had. And I, I was crazy about this hog. And my dad told me that he we had to kill the hog for our meat. And I told him, no, we couldn't kill that one. And he said, yeah, we got to kill him because that hog will hurt you. And I was like, no. So we had this going back and forth. And he said, yeah. He said, well, i tell you what you do. You take a thing of corn, go out there and put it in front of him, raise up his ears and look at his eyes. So I went and I done that. That was horrifying to me. It scared me real bad because it would just look like stuff was moving around in his eyes. And then his tusks had started coming out. So he really was wild. Really could have been dangerous. It, it was dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And my dad was he was able to see that. He knew and that. So that protected me from that. Wow. So, There's so much about especially if you're like myself, have been raised in the city and right. don't have much contact with farm yeah. life and there's some values there you learn that the city folks just don't know about. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really thought uh, you city folks didn't have no sin. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, yeah because, because men would come down and I had to go out and get stuff to help them, like different food, you know, to help yeah. some of our family in the city. Do you remember, Michael, attending church when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. We went to church every Sunday. You had to go to church. Yeah. That that's, that's wasn't anything that you talked about. Yeah. And so, yes, we went to church really how I learned Genesis 1, 2, and 3 was through my Sunday school teacher, you know, and she taught me Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Tell us what that says. In Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and as he moved through Genesis 1 and 2, he get into where the fall come in yeah. with Adam and Eve. So that really set my mindset. You know, I think yeah. it's so important that mm -hmm. for us to understand where we're heading, we need to know where we've come from. Exactly. And some people, you know, they, they have these things you can go on and trace your ancestry and learn mm -hmm. about your family. Mm -hmm. The problem with those ancestry tools that you use, they don't go back far enough. Because nope. if you trace them as far back as you're supposed to go, you'll come to... Adam and Eve, the Adam, very first, exactly. like you said. Exactly. So people don't go that far no, back, do they? No, but that's where my family went. And then my mom, my mom is, is a Christian, my grandmom, and my granddad, I don't know where he fit in yeah. too good, but they really pushed me to know Christ, to make sure I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. How old were you when you left the farm? You called it the farm? Yes, I did. Okay. I went off to college, went off to Northwest Junior College and um, playing football. I played football for a couple of years for them. And and I began to pursue the life of the world, which was I had a psychology teacher who was telling me that we evolved from a little form of an ape, <laughs> and I couldn't buy that. And so he was really upset with me, so he but your grandparents, like you said, brought you up in the church. Teacher taught you about Genesis, right. where it all began. Right. Then you go to college, and this guy's <laughs> trying to tell you to some kind of apes, huh? Yeah, <laughs> and I just could not accept that because I, we went to the zoo. You know, you went to the zoo, and you saw the animals in the zoo. And then I grew up on a farm. I knew that that could not be true. Even yeah. though I watched Hercules years ago where Hercules, you had half, horse half, half man i just couldn't buy those it. mythological creatures yeah, exactly. you know which are all obviously made up exactly okay so after college what were your dreams what did you want to do well i i had my wife and myself we met in high school 
And so, but I always wanted to marry her. I was going to go off and play pro ball. But then I got hurt a little bit, and then I got thinking, you know, and I watched so many guys that come out of a pro. I mean, legs and stuff messed up, so I decided I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Anymore, so I was looking at the military. And then, but God, I didn't know God would direct in my life. I could hear him talking to me, but I didn't know him. I knew he was talking to me. I could hear him talking to me when I was a little boy, and, but I just couldn't find him. So I was looking for him in all the wrong places. You know, I could hear him talking, but I couldn't find him. So one day when I got married, had my three kids, I was on, I worked for Baptist Hospital downtown. And so I was driving to work, and I was listening at one of the radio stations, jamming my radio station, having a good time. And I got to Brooks and Elvis Presley. It's Brooks and the Expressway. And and all at once, something started telling me, jump out the car, kill yourself. Your father don't love you, and all this stuff was going through me. I thought it was coming out of the radio. Out of the radio, so I started turning the radio. But as I turned the radio, it was getting louder and louder. And then I'm like, okay, but what well, messed up? thing was about it was when he said God don't love you. He said, I said, oh no, I can't accept that. I knew God loved me but I didn't know nothing about the devil. I didn't know how he operated then. And so I started turning to the radio station trying to find, is this coming out of the radio station? I hit Chuck's window teaching out the book of Hebrew and he was talking about the blood of Jesus and what Jesus done for us and I listened at him and when I got to the emergency room at Baptist Hospital I stopped right there and asked Christ to come to my life. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, what, a, what a wonderful story, Michael. Yeah. And that's yeah. really what I wanted you to share today yeah. primarily is yeah. what took place yeah. that day. Because you had kind of lost hope and you didn't have yeah. direction. But you knew that God still loved, loved you despite the way you were feeling, despite the way your father treated you and the, yeah. the pain you'd gone through. Yeah. So you changed the channel and you found Bot Radio Network. Yeah. Because Satan was talking to me. Satan was telling me to kill myself. My dad didn't love me and all this stuff. But, you know, where he messed up was when he said God didn't love me. And that, I just couldn't buy that one. I knew in my heart that God loved me, but I didn't know how to get to God. Yeah. And so when I found the station where Swindoll was, Charles Swindoll, that's when I heard the gospel. And then I'll say, yeah. From that time on, tell me about your life. What began to change in your life? Well, everything changed. I mean, my God, I went running back home out there. Well, I, when I went on to work, I was in engineering. I went back home to share with my mom and everybody. They told me I was crazy. I was already saved. And they thought that because I, I had been baptized, they baked down baptism. And I thought, oh, no, no, I've been baptized, but that wasn't what saved. So I began to ask the Lord to, that I want my whole family to be saved and out of that, people on my job got saved, men and people got saved at Baptist Hospital, and my family got saved. So it's it a beautiful thing. You've been working with me ever since. <laughs> oh, my. <Yeah. laughs> Something else is yeah. a result of this uh, yeah. changed life that yeah. Christ did for you, yeah. and he does for those who will put their trust, realize yeah. their need, first of all, yeah. you know, that we need a Savior. Yeah. And he provides that salvation yeah. through his death on the cross. Yeah. And so when you came to that point, God's opened up other doors yes, for you. You yes. talked about praying for your family, yes. those that you work with, but you have a ministry to yes. troubled youth. Yes. Tell me how that came about. Well, I went off to college. I wanted, well, I, I was called in the ministry, so I was ordained as a minister. And then I was 
college, I went off to college to Elijah Cottrell Theological Seminary down in Olive Branch, but they moved to Holly Springs, I think. But anyway, then I was able to work with the youth. So when I started working at the facility in which I worked for, the the chaplain, he quit because he, he didn't know how to handle the kids, so he quit. Where were these kids at? Was it a home for the kids? or Right. Okay. Right, home for the kids. They stay there. And so when he quit, I just volunteered and started doing it. Did you talk about back in 94, 95, somewhere in there? And so I volunteered and started doing it, so I've been doing it. And what are the ages of the children, Michael? Oh, man, at that time, you talk about we had kids five all the way up to 17. Tell me their circumstances that caused them to live in this particular home. Well, like mine, when I was young, father left, uh, mom left. Uh, now, are they appointed by the state? This is a state-run home? State-run home, yes. Okay. They're appointed by the state, yes. So they have a variety of reasons why they're there. A variety of reasons. Any of them, you know, with addictions themselves or drug addictions? Yes, some they, of them. Some of them yeah, have that kind of background. We, we have it all. Uh, we have, we deal with all of it that you can name, and we deal with that with the kids. And that. But it, the beautiful part about it is is watching God work. Because one time in September 11, when we got hit in America, the facility asked me not. They didn't want me talking about the Lord in there anymore. And, and the next day. September 11 hit. And so when that happened, everybody was afraid. So they called me. <laughs> there was a lot of people back yeah. then that were flying yeah. American flags yeah. and going yeah. to the churches were yeah. were being filled up yeah. because of that time. Yeah. So they wanted you to talk about the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Talk with the, the staff, talk with the kids, talk with everybody. So I went out in the wood and prayed and asked the Lord to give me the words to say. To yes. because uh, they thought the world were coming to the end. Yeah, yeah I remember that time, yeah. as well so many of our listeners do. Mm-hmm. Now, does your wife, is she involved in any of the ministry you do there? No, she's not. She, she, she retired, and I'm still working. Yeah. And, uh, but she's, she's involved with ministry at the church, and I am too, because I'm, with, I'm over the prayer and evangelist ministry at our church. But she worked with Happened with the grandkids. Well, that's a, hey, that's a ministry she's, right there. It's a big Yeah, ministry. the power of a grandparent in the grandchild's life is so yep. well needed. Some grandparents think, well, they want to you know, get to a point where they can retire and if they have any savings to go off somewhere. But, yeah. boy, if, if you're close to your grandkids, you've got a yeah. great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And so how often do you go over and work with these youth? Every day. Do you I really? Left, just left them over there every day. Four, I have to be there at 4.30 in the morning. You're up there at 4.30 every morning? 4.30 every morning, except Saturday. I go on Sunday because I'm the chaplain. Uh, Michael, that's a commitment. Every every Sunday. Every Sunday. Tell me how you stay motivated to do that. The Holy Spirit. I mean, knowing the Lord and knowing that you want other people to know, especially the kids, because not just for going to heaven, but living here on this earth. Walking with the Lord, seeing the Holy Spirit moving their life and change their life. Because I believe there's a future for America, and we spend so much time talking about the negative stuff. I don't have time for that. Um, I can see that God can move in our next generation. I tell them all the time, I'm getting old. You all got to carry the torch, and and a lot of them are listening. Yeah. Have you seen any of the youth that you can remember maybe in some of the early days if you first started in that work? Now where they are today, and oh yes, I was um, at at uh, Baptist Collierville 
doing some work out there for them at the hospital. hospital. And uh, it was one young man came in that had gone off to the Marine. And he knew my voice, but he didn't, knew where, he didn't know where it was from. <laughs> and so he uh, had his daughters. And he said, I know you from somewhere. Well, anyway, we talked with one another, and then he remembered. He said, because I said to him, if it was up to me, all the young men would do some military training, and he, he decided to go to the military. Wow. Yeah. How about so, that? Yeah, so, you know, words count a lot. They do, don't they? They, do. they can be powerful. And especially when you talk to, you know, as you mentioned, some folks are comment about the negativity of today's yeah. youth. They can be pliable with some direction and some encouragement, spending time with them, letting them know that you care, which is what you've yes, done, yeah. you know? Yes, yeah. Thankfully, you had uh, some grandparents to let oh, you know yeah. that you they cared for yes, you. Yes. And then you had your stepfather who came into yeah. your life and let you know he cared. Yeah. So it's important that we all have people in yeah. our lives that can let us know that, hey, they care and that yeah. we're loved. And then my dad, I have to give it to my dad, though, when um, my kids was a teenage, I flew them out to California to spend time with my dad. I so you reconnected with your oh, dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you it. were able to forgive your dad. Yes. Now, that's the key right there. I forgive my dad and because I hate him. How did you do that? When did he come back into your life? Well, he always came and left, and he would come and left because him and my mom, you know, they, you know, that relationship wasn't there. But when I flew out and and I had been saved, then I know knew the Lord. So now I want the the Lord put it on my heart. You need to go and spend time with your dad. I didn't want to go, but I went, and so I, I spent a whole week me and my three kids. My dad, uh, it was a beautiful time with him because I had learned how to forgive because God forgave me. I mean, God, he whooped me pretty good. God whooped me pretty good on that. <laughs> but uh, I forgave my dad, my dad. But then I heard his side of the story because I was just only hearing my mom's side. But when I heard my dad's side, I liked the hills better than I did. Yeah. My mom, you know. Kind of balanced out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so did you actually ask him to forgive you or did you just kind of naturally forgive him in your heart and just go on with life? I naturally forgave him. And then I had to forgive him. He, both of us had to do some forgiving. Yeah. And we did. We sat up all night and talked about different stuff. And um, it seemed like I spent that that one week, it seemed like I spent a whole lifetime with him. Really? That one week, that one week. And you were able to connect your children with him too. And his family. Wow. I keep thinking back about the radio there's a lot of radio stations on the air all over the country. They play different kinds of music, different kinds of news, different kinds of format. But one of the things I like to say, Michael, about what we have here at Bot Radio Network, God's Word, it's good for the soul, really good for the soul, because it can change a life drastically. That's right. It changed the trajectory of your life completely. That's right. That's right. And I, I have a problem myself with Christians when I introduce them to Bob Radio. I'm just going to be honest with you. And all races, because I, you know, I talk to all races. If you tell me that you really want to grow in Christ and I share with you how you can really grow just by listening to Bob Radio because you, you, you're talking to Charles Winnow, Adrian Roger, and Charles Stanley helped me with depression years ago. Yeah. And, I mean, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, John uh, <laughs> <Jeremy> MacArthur, <laughs> and, and uh, Tony Evans. I can go on and on and on. But all these guys, I mean, my God, if you want to grow, there's no excuse. I mean, there's no excuse. So, right, Bob Radio is 
There's nothing I can say. Dr. Dobson helped me with knowing how to handle my family. Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Dobson, man, I, I just take my hat off to Dr. Dobson. Great guy, great yeah. ministry. Thankful yeah. that Focus on the Family continues yeah. on yeah. with us here at Byte Radio Network. Yeah. Michael, this has been great. I was just thrilled to meet you at Brown Church, and I thought, your story's got to be shared. It's yeah. one of those stories that people need to hear about. Yeah. God has taken your life and directed you and how the impact you're having on these young people yes, today. Love them. And how many grandchildren do you have now? I have four. You have four? I have four. Okay. I have four. And I have four boys. Do you get to spend time with them? Yes, I have three in Florida. So we went down and spent some time with them. I was just telling my wife the other day we got to take off and go back down and spend some time with them. There's something about it. If, you, yeah. if you're away from your grandkids too long, there's like in a clock inside you says, you've got to go connect with it's them. You've know, you got to go hang out with yeah. them. Yeah, you know? yeah. My granddaughter, oh, I have two, and my yeah. she's six years old today as we record our yeah. program. Yeah. So uh, it's pretty special. I love hanging out with her yeah. and her little sister, too, that's a year old now. Yeah. But this has been great. What would you say to, to someone that's listening right now, maybe has been hearing the programs, talking about this relationship with Jesus, but they don't quite get it or understand it. What would you say to them? I would say to them to um, take time, listen to the Holy Spirit leading in your heart, where you sit before whatever um, ministry, whether it's Charles Wendell, Dr. Roger, um, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, anyone, just sit down and take the Bible and sit down and listen and allow God speak to your heart. And he really, he really will move. And because oftentimes we put a lot of burden on the church to do what we need to do for ourselves. And Bob Radio, I'm just going to say it like this, Bob Radio have really stepped in and helped us right there. God bless you, my dear friend. Michael Carpenter, our guest today, Mm -hmm. really have been delighted to visit with Michael and him to share his heart. Thank you, friend, for joining us, too. And maybe if you're looking and questioning what a relationship with Christ is all about, we would love to talk to you here at Bot Radio Network. We could help direct you. I'm sure Michael might even be open to talk to you. He has a prayer ministry, even pray for you. You could reach out to us here at Bot Radio Network here in Memphis. We'd be happy to get that information and pass it on to Michael, possibly an opportunity for him to let you to know more about how he walks with Christ and uh, maybe pray for you too. But, hey, we've really enjoyed this time, Michael. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I do appreciate you stopping by. God bless you. That's all the time we have. I'm Byron Tyler. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Today's show is available at BotRadioNetwork.com under our Memphis page. Make sure you type your zip code. Now, this will direct you to the local page. Then when you're at our site, then look for Mid-South Viewpoint Radio Show under the weekday program schedule. You can listen to today's show and previous shows from the past. Programs are also available on iTunes and Stitcher podcast, as well as my YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening to Bot Radio Network here in Memphis.